0: Have you thought
1: this through? No way will that work. Are you sure? Is there any money in that? You'll like, never make any money doing that. How are you going to pay the mortgage? Just get a job. Are you going to try to sell that? Why can't you be normal like anybody else? All right. Will <laughs> your parents want too? A savvy entrepreneur to the rescue! Congratulations. That really turned out well. No, I wish I thought of it. I never thought of How did you do that? I'm so glad you're here on your chair. I wish I had the courage to follow my train. Hello, all you entrepreneurs out there. Welcome to The Savvy Entrepreneur. We're broadcasting on WLCB 101.5 FM, and I'm your host, Doris Nagel. I'm happy you've joined me. You're probably wondering what The Savvy Entrepreneur is all about. Each week, I host guests from all facets of entrepreneurship who come on the show to share their stories or to talk about some of the lessons they've learned over the years or some of the resources that are out there and common questions that entrepreneurs have. Why am I doing this? Well, because I have seen and made a lot of mistakes over the years. I've counseled small businesses and startups over the past 30 plus years and I've also started or helped start nine different businesses of my own and I've not only seen mistakes but I myself have made a lot of them. So my hope is to inspire all you entrepreneurs out there and maybe help make your journey just a little bit easier. So I promised you that every week we have a guest. And at this point, I'd like to introduce our guest for today. Joining me by phone is Sue Reardon. Now, she's the co-founder and what she calls the Community Connector at a company called Sweet Spot LLC. And she spells that S-U-I-T-E, Sweet Spot, because it's a member-focused, co-working, shared office community. Sue says she's a serial entrepreneur, self-professed, sounds familiar, Sue. She's a published author and a small business advocate. She helps people be the best they can, and that's a common theme throughout her personal and professional life. A change addict with a love for learning, her career started with a corporate role in the finance, financial services industry. Then the entrepreneurial bug found her when she became one of the partners who grew a private technology consulting firm into a global public enterprise. That was followed by an emerging artist gallery and a midday cafe. Her book, which is called Rock a Million, A Manifesto for the Gutsy Entrepreneur, is her call to action for small business owners to take a more collaborative approach in running their business. And today... As the co-founder and community connector at Sweet Spot, which is a co-working community, she carries that message forward. As I mentioned, Sweet Spot is a shared office co-worker community. It's comprised of small business owners and remote workers from the Chicago suburbs, specifically the western Chicago suburb. And whether participating virtually or physically, Sweet Spot members are energized by the collective, productive, collaborative, and resourceful member community. It sounds like a phenomenal place, Sue. I can't wait to learn more. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Doris. Yeah, so um, I think the place to start is just to talk a little bit more about your business What exactly does Sweet Spot do, and what are the services you offer, and what makes you unique? Sure, sure. Thank you. Well, when
0: most people think of co working, they think about that shared office space, so the physical space, you know, access to a desk or a private office or to meeting rooms by the hour. But while we do have two physical shared offices, one in LaGrange and one in Forest Park, Illinois, Sweet Spot is really more about the culture that connects the small business owners and remote workers into a far more supportive member community. So it's that community, the member community that encourages all the sharing of ideas and resources and learning. So access to the community is virtual through regularly scheduled times for connection and different types of learning opportunities. And we use different video conferencing tools like Zoom or GoToMeeting and such. And also physically where the members come together at this sh-
1: flexible shared office workspaces. Hmm. I have to admit that sounds intriguing because you know I've gone I've never actually rented space in a shared office complex, but I've obviously, like most of us, I've been to meetings, gone to visit other people who have faces they've shared, and uh, you know, there might be a little hi, how you doing, chit chat in the coffee break room, but the, uh, most of them are pretty cold places. How do you, how do you make sure that yours is a much more vibrant, interactive, collaborative kind of place?
0: Well, we do it through different, many different ways. We encourage people, certainly by introducing and connecting new people that come to Sweet Spot and, and really put an emphasis on that, those relationships. So when we bring people into the into the organization, they're really looking at it and understand that it's important that they be part of and participate in the community itself. You know, we're we're about helping members grow, and we're about celebrating and commiserating and sharing successes and encouragement. So there's an energy in this space, and it's it's very apparent. I mean, we hear about it all the time. So that that energy shows people, makes people comfortable, and makes people want to be part of that group, whether it's participating in planned, structured events. Or just serendipitously, you know, where they're just turning to another person and saying, hey, I've got an issue with a client. Can I run this past you? Or do you know any tool that will help me do this or do that? And and it's very open and very shared and very
1: friendly environment. It sounds like a great place. A lot more engaging than a lot of the shared office complexes I've visited. I'm curious how, what you attribute that to, though. How do you, so Is it start with the selection process or the onboarding process? You know, I think there's just a natural tendency for most of these places where people just kind of go to their little space and they hunger down, they do their thing and then they leave and maybe they say hello, they chit chat for a minute with somebody, but that's about it. I'm still just curious, how do you change that paradigm?
0: Well, one of the things we do is what we call the weekly hot seat. And that's a member driven meeting that happens at 12 noon every Friday. And when we were in the space, anybody that's at the space can come in and they brown bag their lunch and we are able to share ideas and identify an individual in the group who is put on the hot seat, essentially. And again, this is member-driven, so they're really running it. It's not something that Sweet Spot is is facilitating, if you will. So they really enjoy getting to know each other. And when that person's on the hot seat, they're able to present a problem that they're having, a concern that they have about a particular issue, or maybe they just want to share an idea and get some feedback on how what other people think about it. Is it a viable idea, and how do they take it to the next level
1: so are are pe- do people volunteer to be on the hot seat, or is this something that it 's like the um, you know the finger of fate that just sort of picks you <laughs> Sometimes,
0: yeah, <laughs> Sometimes, how we how it's usually done is it's it's kind of interesting. One of our members who uh, has an app on their phone, and you know everybody gets a number that's at the table or or on the on the phone line be, or on the the uh, video line because it's uh, done. Even today, it's done. Um, remotely as well right, you right. can participate so they they get on and they can everybody gets their number and they spin it's almost like just spinning the dial and if your number comes up you're on the hot
1: seat oh my It yeah. reminds me of law school where uh, <laughs> a little bit with, though they call it the socratic method where you know your your professor would call on you and just grill you but it sounds much more collaborative than it, that it uh, is does. I, but I'm still curious. There must be maybe the fact that people know that there's this expectation might self-select or deselect certain kinds of people and businesses from your community. Do you think? Do you think that's the case?
0: Absolutely.
1: You are so right.
0: Anybody that's going to join Sweet Spot books a tour, and when they book a tour, I meet with them. And it's at that point that I begin to determine whether or not they're there for the community. I mean, a lot of people are working from home and really struggling with the isolation that happens with that. You know, they're by themselves,
1: they they um they get lonely. Oh and yeah. It's a lonely journey, even it, it when is. you're with other people, right? Exactly, exactly.
0: So they're looking for some camaraderie, some way of, of you know, gathering additional input to what they're trying to achieve. In addition to that, uh, working from home uh, can be very distracting. They don't always focus on what they should be doing. So they're looking to be motivated as well and, and to really increase their productivity. So when on there, during that tour, while I'm showing them a space and talking about our memberships and events and what we do and, and what we're really all about and what our values are, I'm also determining whether or not are they just looking for an affordable desk and that's really, they're there for the space or are they there for the community? And that kind mm-hmm. of tells, begins to tell me whether or not this person's going to fit in. Mm. and if they you know we also have prior to that if they decide or after the tour if they decide hey you know i want to i want to go forward with it they fill out a very brief membership app and it really does ask them what are they proud of what are they trying to accomplish how can we help them that type of thing and that app's very brief but it's it's insightful i mean we get a pretty good idea whether they're going to fit in or not and You know, I, I, after six years, I got pretty good at this and, you know, you know the people and I'll, and if they're not going to fit in, I, I just basically, I'm very straightforward and honest with them and let them know, you know, that's not what we're about. And there are other places that are more suited to what you're looking for.
1: I, I think you just answered what was going to be my next question, which is, have you ever had to tell someone, yeah, I just don't think you'd be a great fit here? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And yeah, well, you know, I
0: look at it as five minutes of that uncomfortable conversation or the other choice is I bring them on and negatively impact the other members in the community. So mm-hmm. I, I have to put the community first. I have to put the members first. So it, it it works. out. And you know what? They wouldn't be happy. Anybody that has come on and, you know, I probably shouldn't have have really approved their membership. When they came on, they, they 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 do self-select. You mentioned that earlier. They do say, hey, this isn't what I'm really looking for.
1: Yeah.
0: We don't force people, Doris, to participate. You know, they just do. They want to. You know, they that's why they're there.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, as we'll talk about this in a little bit about how you're You're growing the business and plans to grow the business. But it's an interesting kind of dilemma in terms of scaling of how do you take the Sioux Reardon antenna and Uh, make it something that anybody can use, right? That's, or maybe somebody with a little bit of training. That's probably a bit of a challenge uh, to figure out how best to do that, but I'm sure you're wrestling with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do
0: have community hosts at each location and they are pretty much trained on, okay, what are we looking for? And they're at the point where they know when they meet with someone whether or not this is the right place for them
1: interesting, so talk a little bit about your business model. You said it's member focused this is is this a monthly is there a minimum commitment? What other kinds of services are included? Can the members vote somebody off the island if they don't <laughs> think they're contributing
0: we we don't we don't do we don't go that far. Like I said, the members, the people self-select, they realize that this isn't, this isn't the place for them. Or I talk to them about it. If somebody's being really disruptive, they, they hear about it. We also, in as part of the onboarding, Doris, we have a document that's called Keeping It Sweet at Sweet Spot. Ah. And it's very frank and it's very to the point. And it talks about, hey, you know, we're, we're here together. And everybody is trying to achieve their individual goals. And we're doing that collectively. So that means that when it comes right down to it, it's about respect. It's about respect for the fellow members. You know, you don't put yourself above anyone else. And that's critical. You know, it talks about no pitching, no poaching. So you don't go in and say, okay, I'm going to be here for a month. And I'm going to get my business card and pitch my business to every single person that's here.
1: It's just not <laughs> a lot. And then I'm going to some other place and do the same thing it, it, hoping that the, if I just throw enough things up on the wall it'll stick.
0: Huh? That's exactly what happens. I mean sometimes that's you know I can see that when they you know you have a you, there's some signals when you're first talking with the person if that's what they're looking to do. So I'm very clear that even at the, in the tour and talking about no pitching, no poaching. You know, you can't poach clients. You simply can't. That's not what it's about. There's confidentiality. And I flat out tell them, your membership's gone if that happens.
1: So talk a little bit about the membership and and how that works.
0: Yeah, they, they come in. Their membership is month to month. The whole point is for flexibility and affordability. And based on their needs. So it's it's a month-to-month. Month. They pay the first of the month for that month. And it's based on what they determine they need, whether they're just looking for an occasional shared desk and being there a couple of times a week, or they're looking for a private officer team suite for a group of people. And we have a few team suites where small businesses have come in and they have, you know, four or five, People as part of their team, and so they have that private team suite, but they also have access to the community. So, with that membership, they have access to the community itself, certainly the hot seat meetings, any events that we have. They have access to what we've recently rolled out that's called Spot on Learning. And Spot on Learning is both virtual and live, in person, events that are learning opportunities that address specific practical tips and advice. Mm. And they're being facilitated by people who know what they're talking about. So experts in the field. Interesting. Yeah. And those experts in the field are often members. So we do draw from our member community in order to help each other and put on these events. Or we go to third party and go out and bring in people depending on the topic. People have, because it's month to month, you know, most memberships have a 30-day out. So the mm. cancellation policy, they just say, you know, at the beginning of July, I'm not going to renew for whatever reason. Mm. Whether they're moving, moving, which we've had a lot of, or they are uh, changing, modifying their membership. You know, the beauty of this is because there's so much support We've had some pretty significant success stories with our members. And, you know, we call them sweet, sweet success. And what, you know, I've had people that through the hot seat have come together and helped to solve problems. I've had ideas and products launched out of those discussions, Uh new products launched. I've had,
1: I have members that have been here for almost since day one. Well and, I was gonna ask you about the length of time that a lot of the tenants have been there. Well the members have been there
0: a lot of them for multiple years. And I do have some that have been there from from the beginning. Yeah, you know, and, and they've changed greatly. I have one um is Steve Ryan from Rye Tech, a digital marketing firm. Steve came in Couple of weeks after we opened our doors in Lagrange, and it was just Steve. Ritech was Steve, and he was providing services, digital marketing services for for clients, and he was you know interested in growing and building the business. So fast forward today, Steve has fifteen plus employees. Wow, nice. Team. He's located in three different offices, different states as well. So he's in Washington, D.C., downtown Chicago, Milwaukee. I I mean, it's he, and if you talk to Steve Doris, he will tell you one of the smartest things he did was
1: to join Sweet Spot. Sounds like a great guest for the show. Yeah, there you go. There you go. He is actually really good. We should talk about your uh, spot on learning because actually one of the things that I've been thinking about doing just from the sheer number of phenomenal guests on the show is to create something almost like a startup academy or something. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but we should definitely talk about that offline to see if there's any, any kind of overlap, anything that we can do to help each other there. Doris, I'm very open to that. You know, helps our members.
0: Our members go from uh, moonlighters to startup companies to companies that have been business, in business quite a while and are just, you know, part of the gig economy or, you know, digital nomads. Yeah. We'll yeah. So, you know, don't have big teams. They're not corporate, but they, um, they really grow.
1: So how do you find most of your clients, Sue? Well, you know,
0: I mentioned Steve earlier. I use our members. I, I have great access to some pretty incredible people. And I noticed noticed that early on. These businesses, you know, they're sharp. They know what they're doing. And so if I can hire services from my member community, I do it. And that's what I've done to grow Sweet Spot. I've hired social media work. I've hired uh, search engine SEO optimization. Mm -hmm. You know, most people will Google to find a co-working business Mm -hmm. near them. And we come up. And a big reason why we come up is that we're one of the few co-working businesses that are in the suburb that serve the suburban community. That seems
1: strange to me, given there's a lot of people who have lost their jobs in corporations in the suburbs, and and because of that, or just because they have finally decided to take the plunge, there's probably just as many gig economy, entrepreneurs, small business startup people in the suburbs as there are in the city, right? Well, it seems to be that way. That's one of the reasons
0: why I opened Sweet Spot, right? I was a business guy co- had a business coaching firm and was meeting with clients and doing everything that everybody struggles with when you're on your own and, and meeting in coffee shops, libraries, never brought people into my home but found myself going into the city all the time in downtown Chicago, because that's the only place where coworking existed. And so I said, what is going on here? And so came back and decided, you know, there's a need here. There's a real need. They're smaller. It's it's a different business model, because when you're talking about the city, you've got a lot of density. Here in the suburbs, you have more people that are established that are that have small families, young families that um, kind of know each other, so it 's almost in some respects a neighborhood idea now people from the neighborhood working together you know a lot of the kids go to similar schools or the same schools, a lot of them participate in local community events um so it's 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 just there's a different tone and it's a great way to be able to focus on that that whole idea of community as opposed to space
1: you know it's it's interesting i think i have felt that more in the the western suburbs of chicago because the neighborhoods are i think more well established i'd be interested in your take on it that Being up here in Lake County, I sense a fair bit less of that, only because I think the suburbs are still a lot of new suburban development, what I call made-up communities, Mm -hmm. towns that didn't exist, don't have a main street. And I I think that affects the sense of community, or might. Well, it does, if you're talking about it
0: just being a Community that is dependent on physical space. When we started Sweet Spot, opened in downtown Lagrange, opened in uh, you know two years later in downtown Forest Park. So those are those are main street locations. So there's a lot of activity. A lot of people come into the downtown area. But if you're talking about building a community of people that you know are within a three five mile radius that depend on the physical space. That's one thing. But if you're talking about people that are looking for the same thing and you can do it virtually, it's a whole different story. You know, Mm -hmm. you can broaden, you can broaden what your offerings are and what your membership looks like and what that does by doing that, you're able to enrich the membership for your
1: current members. Interesting. Well, talk a little bit about how you got started in this business. You alluded to the fact that you were going downtown and you saw a co-worker space, but there just wasn't anything in the suburbs. But, you know, lots of people have a, a little light bulb that goes on, right? But most of us don't do anything about it. Or if we do, it doesn't ever become a successful business. Talk about about your journey from that light bulb moment to where you are now. Sure.
0: It it was, for us, it was like the perfect storm. I had been myself dealing with where do I meet with my clients and how do I get motivated? You know, and I would meet with my clients. It would be, you know, in the coffee shop and you're competing with, not looking like you 're taking up space, and yeah you know, 're really putting on those airs of nursing that cup of coffee, you know? right right right, looking at yeah. that
1: looking at that phone, signaling to people you got important stuff going
0: on, yeah, and everybody does it, everybody does it, but you 're also so you 're having an important meeting, growing your business with your customers, and there 's a grateful dead ringtone going off in the back or uh, a crying baby. And right. you're like, how do I, you know, it just, it just, it doesn't jive. So that was part of it. I was personally frustrated with it, not having that professional place, professional meeting room place to do it. And I was lonely you know i i really felt isolated and if i had new ideas you know i was supposed to be helping the clients move forward not asking them what they thought about things so it really it really was about you know i had a need and then right at the same time i was also doing research for my book rock a million and that book was about the sharing economy and it really was about How can our country that has 30 million businesses at the time, small businesses, and 75% of them are really small, called micro businesses, under five employees, and how, you know, 10% of them ever hit a million dollars in revenue. And I think about, you know, all the talk about small businesses being the backbone and Main Street businesses, it's so critical, and they're the ones that provide all employment and such. And yet these business owners aren't making a whole heck of a lot of money. And, you know, part of it came into play that people need to work together, that the collaboration was critical to helping people pull each other up. And, you know, rather than trying to be a party of one, to bring together people, play to your strengths and bring people together that have other strengths that could be of value to Uh someone else.
1: Well, it almost sounds like an incubator model, uh, in some ways, more than just a shared office space.
0: And it 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 could be considered an incubator model in some respects because get they do, do get the learning, they do get guidance. We don't have funding that's tied into it. We don't have, you know, VCs coming in or it's not a niched business. So it's not just for a certain industry. Our mm-hmm. industries run the gamut. And I think that's what makes it more stimulating because people don't realize how many great ideas come out of the experience
1: of people in a completely different industry. That is fantastic. Well, I'm going to ask you to hold your thoughts for just a sure. second. We need to take a quick break for station identification and a word from a few of our sponsors. But we will be right back with Sue Reardon. She's the co-founder of a company called Sweet Spot. This is Doris Nagel, and you're listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. We are back chatting with Sue Reardon, who's the co-founder and community connector at a company called Sweet Spot LLC, S U I T E Sweet Spot, and she's joined us this week to talk about the story of how she started and built her business. Continuing with the story of how the company got founded, I mean, there's a there's a lot of practical questions like where should we hold this, and do we rent or do we buy, and how do we find the cash to do it. I'm curious about the journey of how you actually made this actually happen. Well, to start with, you know, business coach,
0: I believe in putting together a business plan, you know, not a big binder that you end up putting on your, your shelf, but really doing some investigation on your idea and what will work and, and really formulating the plan for how you're going to do it. My husband and I own a billion, a building in LaGrange, and we had a second floor loft that we lived in right on Main Street, and we became empty nesters. So it was like this space was, you know, what a great opportunity. I owned a space that we could convert into a co-working space. So, I mean, a lot of things were, were coming into place. So I had the business plan. I needed to go out and get some feedback on the business plan. I went and talked with a colleague of mine who was a very successful entrepreneur. And we sat down, and I was looking for feedback, you know, poke holes in it, which he's fantastic at poking holes, for sure. So I knew he'd be honest with me. And we sat down, and we went through the plan, and he wrote his notes and asked questions and delved into it. Well, this gentleman was also connected with investors, angel investors. So I saw it as an opportunity for funding to be able to, um, he could help me to find some investors who might be willing to listen to what I had to say and what I, what I was trying to achieve. And so we sat down and talked through it all. And I asked him, and you know, who, who do you know that might be willing to sit down and go through this? And he said, me. I'm investing in it. Wow! So yeah, that doesn't happen every day. That doesn't no. happen again. You know what? I've I've had, you know, I've had a lot of good things happen, but part of it is, you know, I've I've had the benefit of meeting some and getting to know over the years some incredible entrepreneurs that have taught me so much. So you know, those relationships just appear when you need them somehow. Wow. It was it, it was great for that. So we decided to go
1: forward with it. That is fantastic. Let's pivot just a little bit and talk about the process of building the business and what it's meant for you. You've been an employee before. What do you think the biggest differences are? For those who might have ideas and are listening to you and maybe are inspired to think about starting their own business, what do you think the biggest differences are between being an employee and being the CEO of a business, even if it's a little business?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that for me and what, what I've seen most businesses able to do is they can be far more innovative. And they're more nimble when they own their business. You know, they can, they can incorporate their own values into how the business moves forward. They can play to their strengths and bring others in. It, it, the, the whole idea of creating something that uh, you truly believe in. And, you know, it's, it's not always that easy to have that feeling of, of value and and making a difference when you work for a large corporation as an employee. Oh,
1: that's for sure that's for
0: sure yeah and that gives you the energy that gives you that gives you the drive you know the motivation to to make this work to make it happen and do what you need to do to make
1: that happen would you say that's the best thing about having your own business for you i think it's freedom you know, I, I, I think so. I think
0: it's constantly learning and being to execute on ideas. You said in the beginning when you were introducing me, I'm a change addict. So
1: <laughs> I need to move, you know. Well, and I was going to say as I was listening to that, having worked for, for a while for big organizations, that people who are... Agents of change are often not very happy in big organizations. Big organizations desperately need those agents of change, yeah. but they don't know how to accommodate them very well. Mm-hmm. And after a while, those change agents, uh, if if they're like me, they get tired of banging their heads on. The wall. <laughs> it's you just, are it's right. Very frustrating being a square peg in a round hole. And it's at some true. point, you just say. Yeah, I don't know if that's my life's work. Thank you. And there's so yeah,
0: you are so right. Doris, there's so many resources out there to help somebody to get started. There really are. And there's so many people. You know, one of the smartest things I did was to establish an advisory board that, you know, went through my business plan that, you know, kind of like the hot seat I was talking about before, except this Mm. is a little more extended hot seat. You know, they Mm. both goals. They, you know, you got to be open to people questioning or coming up with other ideas. Otherwise, you know, you're stuck, you're in a rut, and you're not going to be able to adjust and change as you need to and pivot as they call it today.
1: Mm -hmm. What's been the hardest thing about having your own business, do you think? Um, I think.
0: For me, starting the business, uh, it, it had a longer ramp up than I had anticipated, mainly because I underestimated that 15-mile difference between downtown LaGrange and downtown Chicago it may as well as been a whole new country because people in the city already knew about co-working. There were several co-working businesses there. People in the suburbs didn't have a clue. They couldn't figure out what I was doing. So there was a (laughs) lot of time explaining, you know, I can't tell you how many times you're doing co-what? And it was like, wow, people don't get this. So, you know, interestingly enough, I probably had either educated or uh, had a bias when I selected my advisory board even of people that got it. You know, they knew what it was. So I, I think you really have to, for me, it was, I should have spent more time seeking out the, to really
1: know, you know, what, how how do people see this? Uh, the, so oh, you're maybe. saying you, you wish you'd done maybe a little more market research yeah, to absolutely. understand what the demand was and. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ah. I mean, I had the vision.
0: I knew what I wanted. I knew that my co-working business was going to be um, based on people growing. You know, it was all about helping people to grow. That's everything I do is about that in my career. So I knew I wanted to do that. So the member community side of it was clear to me. I knew I had to have the office space, but I, I wanted to have that other, that other piece and to be able to really broaden that side of the business but that Mm -hmm. all takes
1: time yeah it's very hard when you have a business that you're you're building into um what i would call a nascent need right it's Mm -hmm. one where you're sure they need it you know that if you could sit down with them and talk to them and gather enough data that they would understand that they really do need it but trying to build that awareness into a need that people don't know they, they need is often a long, a long runway. It is. It is. And I've often said this, and
0: it's so true. People come to sweet spot for the space because they know they have to get out of their house, but they stay for the community.
1: That is great. What resources along the way have been particularly helpful? You mentioned your board of advisors, Maybe talk a little bit about them and how you decided to create that and how you went about deciding who would be a good advisor.
0: Well, I, I was looking for people that had, first of all, an understanding of what my prospective clients would be, my prospective members, and were open and had shown in the past to have an innovative approach to what they did. So I'm looking for creative people, not creative in artists, but creative in the sense that you know they they always see the possibilities. A couple were former clients. One was involved in uh, involved in association work with other um, organizations like chambers and such. Another was a individual that was a consultant on the retail side. And just to get an idea of what some of the you know, other other thoughts were um, my business partner he was you know involved with cabinet making and construction, so that whole facility piece of it and investment in that side of it, and understanding what I was getting into and how much to roll into that into what that investment would really look like from a physical space to so it, it was really drawing upon a lot of different ideas, you know, pulled together meetups to talk with people about co-working and getting their thoughts on what was important. One of the meetups we did just before we opened LaGrange, I had five signed up members before I opened my doors. Wow. So that's helpful. Yeah. And you have to kind of look at that way. You have to begin to build it before, you know, you open your doors or before <laughs> so, you launch.
1: So it's not build it and they will come. It's nah. make sure they come and then you build it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think a lot,
0: a lot of people do get caught up and they build it, they will come. Oh, yeah. Go, Whoops. <laughs> so,
1: you know, every entrepreneur, every small business person that I've ever met, at least, hits a rough patch or two along the way. What do you do when you hit a rough patch? Where do you find inspiration? My members.
0: I have to unequivocally say my members. Um, There's a core group of members that I can sit down with and talk to about what I'm trying to achieve, what's not working, what's going through, and they become my advisory board again Mm -hmm. and help me through it. There's so much energy with these people and they're so supportive and so helpful and smart. They're just smart people that that always, that always picks me up. I mean, that's my joy. You know, these, these people always have great ideas or a kind word or a supportive word. And that's what we do for each other all wow. the time. And that you means, that's what it's, that we call it ROI, you know, the old ROI, but it's return on inspiration.
1: Wow. You really have created a community. It's cool. So it's uh, that's an amazing thing and inspiring. You know, you mentioned now that you've got two locations, uh, your original location, and then I think you said you had one in Forest Park. Right. Is that part of the plan to grow to more locations? I mean, what's your longer term business plan look like for Sweet Spot? The original
0: business plan that um, we put together was based on having three locations. And, you know, I I look at business plans as living documents. So they change and move as you grow and learn. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I really looked at that And said, all right, if we're doing this whole community, if that's really where the true value of Sweet Spot, we don't necessarily need the space to bring on members. So we're expanding, or soon to be expanding, and that was in the plan for 2020. Instead of opening another physical location, what we will do is expand the membership community so that... People can join and be a part, and essentially they're joining the community, but also will have, depending upon your membership, they will have access to meeting rooms and things like that. So it's, it's not all finalized yet. So Well, help. no,
1: that's a, a bit different revenue model, yeah. you know, some, and a bit different in terms of what the offering might look like, too. Exactly.
0: Interesting. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So where do you see the business being in three to five years, ideally? Ideally, I,
0: that we have that community up and running, that we have people, you know, that doesn't require a geographic boundary at all, that people, similarly minded people that are growing and learning and inspiring one another, the whole virtual aspect, that we have that nailed, you know, that they feel as connected as if they were within the same room with people.
1: Wow, if you can accomplish that, that, your revenue and potential clients is almost unlimited. Reach for the stars, right, Doris? Absolutely, absolutely.
0: (laughs) And when we set the plan in place originally, I had an exit strategy. And the exit strategy, I I think you have to have when you begin to, it's, it's one of the important elements of thinking about a business, you know, because I think it guides your decisions as you go forward. So I was building to sell, you know, we are building to sell. This is not a legacy business for me. This isn't something I'm passing on to my sons who would really have no interest in it anyway, but it's, it's something that, you know, someone else can take on and, and take it to the next level. It's it's not,
1: it's not a lifestyle business either. So no,
0: no. So it's, you know, it's something that, you know, it, it gives me joy, you know, it's, it's financially, you can, in this business, make money. So it's financially rewarding, but it also plays to my strengths. Right. And it gives me joy. And, you know, if you're playing to your strengths, you get joy out of it for sure.
1: Absolutely. Talk a little bit before we wrap up about your book and the insights you might give to to other people who are thinking about starting a business. Sure. I had,
0: as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was very frustrated that micro businesses just weren't getting anywhere to where they could be. So few of them were. You know some of them had to give up their businesses because financially they just couldn't support their families or whatever and I think we see that a lot um, I think that they they don't have access to funding like the larger small businesses, if you will have and and I think that that's that's really frustrating, but part of that is because they also don't have a community that they can access that will give them honest feedback that will help them to grow that will collaborate with them and i'm not talking financially i'm talking just to to draw upon to get the energy to get the resources together it works so this this book was was really to encourage these micropreneurs you know why it's a manifesto for the gutsy micropreneur is is really about hey if you want to get ahead there's some things you have to do and one is play to your strengths because, you know, your strengths, if you are playing to them, as I just mentioned with myself, you know, it, it makes you ins- unstoppable. You move forward because you know you can do it. You have the confidence to go forward. And you bring others in. So collaboration is tantamount to opportunity. Collaboration is about bringing together different people who, who are going after the same the same thing. So working working independently, but working collectively. It's about fear is fuel. You know, yeah. I, think we, I think we get frozen. I think we just freak out. And I think sometimes you just have to tap into that, turn it around, and make that the energy for you to go forward. I and mean, most of the time, the fear that we have is, as you know, Doris, is founded on things we make up in our head.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because given the pandemic that's going on as we're recording this, I, yeah. I really see two different, I mean, there are lots of ways people are responding, but I, I kind of see almost two divergent approaches. And there are some that used to email me all the time and now they've gone quiet. It's like they're just hunkering down waiting for the storm to pass and then hoping something's going to be there for them. And then there's others that I I see that have just kind of gone on the offensive. And, you know, I just kind of thought, well, that's, that's that's a metaphor for the kind of thing that you're talking about, which is you can either be ruled by fear and be frozen, or you can Go out swinging, and yeah. you you may you may swing and swing, and swing and miss and miss. <laughs> but at least you've got out swinging, right? Yeah, and you and, and there are
0: people that may not have done exactly what you want to do, but you know when somebody calls you doors for advice, isn't that the most wonderful thing? Don't is. you always respond? It
1: is
0: <laughs> so wonderful. so people just have to ask, ask yeah. others, you know, not asking for, you know, write my business plan, but asking, asking questions. What do you think? What would you do? Or who do you know? Right. And and I think what, that we don't take advantage of this, that that some people that are trying to grow their businesses are afraid they'll get found out that they don't know <laughs> the imposter syndrome, right? Exactly. Exactly. So I think that that makes a big difference, but this whole idea of fear, you know, um, and how, as it relates to any type of a crisis or change that's impacting a lot of people or even individually in your life, Mark Ackerley, uh, Mark is, is, is the managing partner for Sigma Resources, and he is just a truly smart man, and he's also a member of Sweet Spot. So I've got some really cool people that are in there. Well, Mark has put put a spot-on learning session that he did for our members, and it it is about that. It's about resilience. Mm. It's about you know, what you need to do and how you need to shift your mindset when you're in the middle of a crisis, because it will end. And yeah. where will you be?
1: Right. All right. So if the book is called Rock a Million, A Manifesto for the Gutsy Micropreneur. Is it on your website or on Amazon? Where would people find it if they're looking on, for it? On Amazon. On Amazon. And to let people know too, how to reach you if they're interested either in learning more or maybe being a member of one of your sweet spot communities, or maybe just to chat with you about to do the kinds of things you've been encouraging, which is to collaborate and ask for advice. What's the best way for them to reach you? I would think through email
0: is probably the most direct way. So they can email me at sue at Sweetspot.com so it 's s u i t e s p o t t e dot com
1: fantastic sue I want to thank you again for being with us today and for sharing your story it was It was
0: great having you Thank you Doris. It was a pleasure, and what you 're doing, I so admire you know this is what helps people to to move forward and I appreciate you for doing that
1: Wow, that feels good to hear thank you sue sure. So, before we wrap up today's show, we have just enough time to answer a question from one of our listeners. Alex asks about sweat equity and whether there are things he should consider before handing it out. Alex and his brother are co-founders of a company, and they're each contributing, let's say, $50,000 to their new business called Capital Contributions. They have a third partner, though, who's really talented as a software engineer But he doesn't have a whole lot of money, and he's going to contribute a proprietary idea and a lot of the basic coding that they need to make the company's new app a big success. They've all agreed that the value of what the software engineer is planning to contribute will be worth at least $50,000. So their plan is to give each of them one-third of the shares of the new company. Is there any reason you might want to think hard before doing this? Well, unfortunately, there are tax issues that really you need to think through. The IRS views this rather differently than most entrepreneurs do. The way the IRS looks at this is they say, Basically, this is two separate transactions. The software engineer partner needs to bill the company for his, say, $50,000 in services. And, by the way, needs to demonstrate that that is truly a reasonable value for the services. Then he has to pay taxes on this income. Okay, you're going to say, well, he never got anything for it. No, but... The IRS views this as a taxable transaction, and it 's why, and a lot of times with startups, we call this phantom income because he never sees it so that 's not a good outcome that 's not good for the software engineer that 's not what he wants to hear it 's not what his partners want to hear either. So what should they do instead? Well, there are some options to get around this or minimize the impact and one of the things that startups often do is to loan the $50,000 to the software engineer. And, by the way, we're assuming that this company is a corporation, not a partnership. And Often these loans are structured with deferred payments, sometimes deferred repeatedly indefinitely. I'm hoping to have somebody on the show in the near future to talk about all the various tax issues related to sweat equity And some of the options. But for now, just know this is a complicated topic. There are lots of tax and legal issues for the unwary. And so if you're considering giving someone equity in exchange for sweat equity, just know that there are issues you really need to think through and that you should find somebody who's experienced in the area to help you flag those issues and try to mitigate them. And I would encourage you to take care of these issues as early as possible. So if this is something your company has already done, the sooner you address it, the better. It's an issue when it comes to sweat equity. Make sure you document it well because it often ends up being a source of hard feelings between the owners. You definitely don't want an IRS audit and you don't want a problem that maybe is small when your company is not very valuable and not making much or any money. Um, it could become a very expensive issue later on when the company is worth a bunch of money and you don't want to be trying to clean it up when you're ready for angel investors or venture capital. That is our show for today. Thank you very much to all of our listeners for tuning in. And again, to our guest today, Sue Reardon, co-founder and community connector at Sweet Spot LLC. Now, I'll be doing an on-demand podcast recording of today's show, and you can find that along with all sorts of other free information and resources for entrepreneurs on my show page, the Savvy Entrepreneurs Show page at lakesradio.org, or my consulting website, which is globalocityservices.com. Now we'll have another great guest next week, so be sure to join us. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel wishing you happy entrepreneuric.